It's the Saturday morning rewatch where we rewatch old cartoons. Hi, Jess. Hi, Kelly. It's time for a Saturday morning rewatch. Woo! Woo! So this week we watched Doug and the theme song. It's like simple, but they layer it. But the basics of the song are do 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 repeat. So it sticks in your head. It does that. It's yeah, and it's like because it's so simple, when they add stuff on top of it, you're like, oh, it's like. The opening itself is a line that Doug manipulates for his friends to come out of. Like, the line becomes a door or a lasso or whatever. And the theme song is kind of like that, where it manipulates to do other things, so. It's true. Yeah. All right, so Doug. So Doug, before we get into how I feel about it, I'm going to (laughs) summarize. Because I have some feelings. So, Doug originally ran on Nickelodeon from 1991 to 1994, and then got picked up by Disney from 1996 to 1999. Ending with a total of 117 episodes. The cartoon is framed as 11-year-old Doug's diary entries, with Doug narrating how a particular event in his life plays out, such as moving to Bluffington, learning to dance, or joining forces with his sister Judy to overcome their babysitter. Doug has a pretty wild imagination and regularly envisions himself becoming either a superhero or a complete outcast. Like, there's no middle ground in Doug's imagination. (laughs) Yeah, it's one or the two. Yeah, and Wiki tells me that Bluffington is loosely based on Richmond, Virginia, where the creator Jim Jenkins was born and raised. Oh. Yeah. Okay. The show features many recurring characters, including Doug's dog, Porkchop, his friend Skeeter, the bully Roger, and Doug's love interest, Patty Manny's along with lots of other students and school friends. Yes. And also, I gotta say, I love that we do the, sum- well, that you do the summary <laughs> beforehand, because I was wondering as I watched through, I was like, wait, the art style changes a little bit, and it seems like they grow up, but not quite. Like, they look a little bit as if they had advanced a grade or two or something like that. Yeah, I think eventually, like, Doug turns 12 at some point, so yeah. Like- age a little bit mm-hmm. i had a really hard time going back and being like okay but how old is doug i had to look it up yeah. because if he's 11 they're like at some point patty's like you know we're gonna go to junior high or something sort of implying that they're in elementary school mm-hmm. but they also have like the bell rings in their school so they go to a different class and stuff yeah like it's weird because he has quite a few freedoms too like of what i would expect for a teenager like he regularly is just out on his bike doing stuff and i know that might be just part of the suburban mythos of just oh yeah we moved here because it's safe and you could let your 11 year old just ride his bike to the burger joint in town or whatever you know yeah it is a little i was like is he like 14? Yeah. Because that would be kind of what it seems like, but no, apparently he's 11. Yeah. It's hard to tell. Like, none yeah. of them really look like a particular age either. It's mm-hmm. just like, they're children, and that's all I can tell. I have to say, though, that as I was watching the show and some others, Wraith has kind of, like, watched in with me and been sort of like, why do so many of these kid shows that concern boys make them look like they're balding? I know. Like, the way Doug is drawn does not help you with his age. <laughs> no. He has, like, little lines on his head, and that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's strange, but the whole art style is a little strange because it's sort of like Doug's own sketches, except Mm -hmm. 
blown up to be the entire thing. Yeah. Also, the sound style is different. Like, lots of kids' cartoons have over-the-top sound effects, but a lot of these are, like, made by a human mouth. I'd forgotten. Yes, which I actually, that fell onto my positive things list. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, one of the things that I, it was kind of cute that all the sounds, like the little cars make little like, mm-hmm. sounds. That's nice. It's oh, kind man. of like a little kid playing with toys. It is a little bit, definitely. I didn't think about it as kids playing with toys because for me and my sort of sound sensitivity place, <laughs> I was like, ah, 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 which is <laughs> Yeah. It does, I think at least as an adult, it really stood out to me, which was funny because I don't remember noticing it at all as a kid. Yeah, because I definitely, I did not remember that at all. I'm right there with you. But I have to say, overall, this show feels kind of like how you look at Captain Planet and think a committee made it. But instead of a board of executives, it feels like a homegrown art collective, if that makes any sense. Like, it feels like people who would run their local theater district got together and said how do we make a smart show for children that tackles their issues you know that's so funny (laughs) what i was reading about it said that jim jensen was like really involved in the creation of most of the show Hmm. very hands-on with all the aspects of it Mm -hmm. and then he was very insistent on making a moral show (laughs) oh see okay that makes sense too because it's it's another show that doesn't do the endings of a moral every time but it comes close because again with doug's journal format it's, it's like what he I ends learned. it on you know if i'd learned to, if i'd remember to just trust my friends from the get-go it'd be fine or like yeah there's an episode where he thinks skeeter's moving away and it ends on the idea of like well we're glad skeeter's not leaving but we've decided to do all the things we want to do together just in case we ever be are separated you know yes yeah so it's a little bit more sophisticated than mm-hmm. like the human style of tacking on a moral at the end but it's still very much like doug learned a lesson to <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it does kind of cover those smaller things of, like you said, learning to dance. What if your friend moves away? Or, like, what if you have to do something with your pet? Or, you know, kids loving to do mysteries or whatever. So it, it has that level of, it's a very slice of life kind of cartoon that they blow up to those exaggerated proportions using Doug's imagination. Yeah. And on that note, I think we've been really fair now. So we can <laughs> st- being fair. I've done my best to be really fair. I I hate Doug. <laughs> you could just, just come out. Just I just he was on all the time because he's a Nicktoon mm-hmm. and I hate Doug. <laughs> I hated Doug when I was a kid and I tried really hard to not hate Doug, but I definitely still do. Mm-hmm. And I have a long list of reasons why. <laughs> I only have one, so I'll do my one, and then you want to do your list, because I want to hear this list. Okay. Everything about Doug can be completely described in the name of his love interest. Her name is Patty Mayonnaise, which is the whitest, most boring name I've ever heard in my life, to the point where on the internet, calling somebody Mayonnaise is like saying, you're the most boring thing ever, and that is my (laughs) issue with Doug. Everything about Doug is that. (laughs) That sums up a large portion of my feelings about Doug is that he's just really boring. Yeah. But also, this is our show. I want to hear all of your feelings in depth. Go. (laughs) Okay. Well, the first one is that Doug is dumb. Yes. Doug is very dumb. He's really dumb. Like, 
So Roger is sort of the bully character who's always, like, getting people into trouble and yes. stuff. And he always, like, comes over and tells Doug something that's not true, and it's pretty ridiculous. And Doug <laughs> listens to him every single time. Literally every time, yes. But, like, the first time you guys met, he tricked you into thinking that nematodes were real. Yeah, and they're not a thing. No, they're, like, this mythological urban legend thing. Mm-hmm. So that was their first interaction. Yeah. And it was all a lie, and Doug continues to believe everything Roger tells him. Yeah, in, like, a really big way. Yeah. There was an episode of the science fair, and Roger told Doug that his volcano had turned into a real volcano and destroyed the science lab or the gymnasium or whatever. It was like, first of all, that's completely unrealistic. But immediately, Doug, like, imagines that this was true, and then he runs away. He spends, like, the rest of the day hiding in the woods. And oh then it's God. not until, like, he finds Skeeter, and, his, and Skeeter's like, no, it's totally fine. And he's like, oh, my bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, dude. <laughs> and that happens all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. Doug just believes things that people tell him, and this is just like, yeah. okay, I don't care if you are 11, you should still know that's not true. Or at least, like, experience at some point should teach you that Roger is not a person to really believe. Yeah. You should trust nothing out of that kid's mouth. Also, I watched an episode where Roger makes Doug cat sit for him. Oh my god. So it's not only that he just <laughs> believes Roger, but Roger is literally able to bully him without any physicality whatsoever and do things that you would only let a trusted friend do. It's a very weird dynamic that they have. It's a weird relationship because there was an episode where, oh, I think it's the one where Doug learns to dance, but Doug is just like in his house getting ready for this costume party and Roger just shows up at his house, busts <laughs> into like the garage and is like, hey, I'm going to tell you this thing about the dance. And then leaves. And you're what? like, so you have a relationship with Roger where he can just come into your house and talk to you? Like, it's weird because you don't seem to like each other very much. So, like, Wraith pointed out that Roger dresses like a great greaser lesbian. And it's a look that they kind of strive for on a regular basis, which <laughs> I love. And also in my head, the only thing that makes Doug even remotely interesting is the slight possibility that both Roger and Doug grow up to be queer and Doug realizes he just has been living normcore his whole life. Oh my god. I could be into that, actually. Uh, I really like that theory. I approve. That would make this all a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm. But returning to the issues, yes, check. Doug is real dumb. He's real dumb. Okay, this is a bit of a more serious one, but I think that even Kidney was not entertained by Doug's obsession with Patty. Yes, it's very surface level. Yeah, so in the very first episode, he sees Patty on her bike go past the Honker Burger, mm -hmm. and he is immediately in love with her. Yeah, literally knows nothing about her. <laughs> doesn't know anything about her, doesn't know her name, doesn't mm -hmm. know what she's like at all. Mm -mm. She's just apparently so beautiful that he is lovestruck and he spends most of the rest of the series like secretly semi-secretly admiring her not that secretly because it's really obvious i think even to the other characters it's really obvious. yeah it's very obvious also i feel like a lot of doug's fantasies even when he knows patty kind of take away her agency yeah he has to like save her yeah or just even that like he was gonna call i watched an episode where they were going to the fair and he wanted to call her to invite her to essentially a group hangout, but was scared to call her and had this whole fantasy 
of her being an elite socialite laying on a piano in like a weird club. And when he called, she was like, I don't know any Doug funny. And I'm like, you literally just saw her at school. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah his fantasies really have no attachment to reality whatsoever. Are you okay? And I get being nervous, but then he has a second fantasy where she's trapped in a tower and he has to save her by inviting her to go to the fair. Wow. It's so weird. That's a good example. No, that's a really good example of, I think, what I really don't like and what I still don't like about this whole dynamic is that what you can see of Patty is that she's a pretty cool girl mm-hmm. who, like, rides her bike around all the time. She loves mysteries. Yeah, she's pretty athletic and outgoing and friendly, and she's friends with all of the people that he becomes friends with, and, like, there's no reason to think that she would be damselly in any way. Mm-hmm. Like, she's one of the less girly girls in his class. Mm-hmm. Why are you imagining her in this way, and why is it okay for you to, like, pursue her so relentlessly? Yeah, <laughs> it's all very surface and basic all of it it's just you saw her she was pretty and as you continue to know her she seems okay so she's safe to have a crush on right it really feels like a disservice to patty because as Mm -hmm. a character patty's pretty cool (laughs) yeah she's very cool she's one of the better parts of the show yeah she's actually very cool and very smart and continually pushes doug like yeah the other episode i watched where they were at a park and they are reading mystery stories and it's one of those where like you can turn to page 32 or whatever to solve the mystery yeah and doug's like oh i don't get it and she goes think about it what clues do you have He's like, I'm just going to read it. And she goes, no, you have to solve it for yourself. So she's literally continually pushing him to do things. Yeah. Which, yuck. (laughs) I know. She's way cooler. She deserves better. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Point three. Okay, we already talked about the drawing a little bit. I oh, don't yeah. really like it. It's just, I think I, I know what they're going for, like the sketchy quality, mm-hmm. but it just seems lazy. Mm-hmm. Like incomplete in a lot of ways. Okay. That's a short note for me. I just don't like it. <laughs> the only thing that bugs me the big way about the art style is all of the skin tones. Oh, that's a whole other note. Oh, okay. okay I'm really sorry. long note about the color. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Don't worry. Okay. I saved that one for last. Yeah. Okay, so that was point three, is the art style is weird, which fair. Point four. Point four is that I find that, this is kind of your point, that the struggles of this dumb white boy are just not very compelling. (laughs) (laughs) It's just his, his boring life, and if it weren't for his ridiculous imagination, most of these episodes would just be like, Roger tells Doug a lie, Doug believes him and does something dumb. Doug realizes Roger lied to him and then fixes his mistake and is rewarded. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Also, I love the idea that it's not just that our lives have been expanded as adults, is because I'm with you. Kid Me remembers being very bored by Doug. Oh, like, yeah, I really couldn't stand it. Very. I couldn't stand that he was so whiny about all these really all boring things. Yeah. Like, oh no, I'll all the people will hate me. It's like, no, they won't. Just go do this stupid thing. You've literally met all the people in your school. Like, you don't have to. Also, it's like, who cares? Who cares? And I get that you care when you're 11, but like, come on, dude. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Yeah. I, uh, it's, I just don't care. And I think the other thing that doesn't help me on this front is that he's the younger child. Mm-hmm. As the older child, I think that I sympathize a lot more with Judy, his sister. That's fair. Judy is so interesting compared to Doug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
She's like the cool theater kid. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with her, but it's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Also, I would love to see her imagination. Like, if Doug's is the base model of the family, what the fuck is Judy doing? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically a French film, I think. I think so. And it just depends on the day whether it's black and white or not. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But yeah, yeah, we don't see like a ton of Judy, but when she's around, she's pretty amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I think that was point four, point five. That's four, I think. Okay, and now here's the big one. Yep. The skin tones on the show. <laughs> <laughs> so Doug is white. Doug is obviously white. His family is white. Some mm-hmm. of the other characters, such as Mr. Bones, the like school administrator guy, mm-hmm. is white. Mm-hmm. But many characters are green. Blue, purple, mm-hmm. orange, several other colors. Very strange colors that people are not. It's a very weird choice. It's real weird, and nobody is brown or black. Nope, nope, nope. It's like The Simpsons, but in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. Because in The Simpsons, you have brown people. Yeah. But everyone white is yellow. But in Doug, there are white people, and then everyone else is a color. <laughs> So some, I think it's fair to say that most of the people who are green and blue are coded as white. Mm -hmm. Like, this teacher is green, but I don't think there's any reason to think of her as a a Mm -hmm. non-white person. But then there's characters like Skeeter, who I think is fairly clearly coded as a black kid. Yeah, a little bit. I'd buy that, but it... I definitely buy him as a kid of color. That's fair. Yeah. He's like the cool kid. He tries to teach Doug how to dance. There's a lot of other like little things. Yeah, he does break dance. Yeah. And I think he like pseudo raps a couple times. So like (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely I'd say he's coded closer to black than anything else. So yeah, Yeah. I give you that. And he has blue skin. Yeah. So there's that. So there's like on the one hand it's just super weird that there are characters in this otherwise realistic show who mm-hmm. are blue and green. <laughs> like okay. Yeah. Uh and then I felt like Doug's own whiteness really highlighted the weirdness of that choice. I think so too. It makes me feel like they were actively trying for like, oh, we have to make a diverse show, but we don't want to like try and do tokenism or anything. So we'll just make everybody not white a color. And it's like, mm, mm. <laughs> Yeah, so I was like, how do I feel about this? Like, other people have commented on this. Mm-hmm. Other people noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Jenkins himself was born in Richmond in 1953, which mm-hmm. I will let that give context to the following remarks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, no, okay, so Jenkins has actually commented on this because people have asked him about it, and he says... He just had so many colors, he just wanted to use them, and then he has told the Huffington Post in 2014 that the series' colors, quote, came to symbolize the irrelevance of race. Oh, no! (laughs) I was like, oh no, dude, you did not! You did not! (laughs) Wow, I see so much color that I don't see color. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather have blue people than actually diversify the cast. That would count for a show where Doug wasn't white. Doug should yes. be orange, like Patty. Yeah. Exactly. Like, okay, but wow. Mm. Yeah. If there were no white characters, this would be a different conversation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's a new adult dislike for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as a child, 
I was just like, whatever. People are whatever color we draw them as. That's fine. I was actually struck by that show because you mentioned that it moved to Disney. And Disney also had a show called The Proud Family. And I think yeah. there was a little bit of overlap. Like, The Proud Family was new when Doug was in reruns. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, like, there were mo- these moments of me being like, oh, it's that show with all the black folk on it. Great. I'm going to watch that show. <laughs> and then later in that day or later in the week or whatever, there'd be a different time. And Doug is on it. And I'm like... <laughs> That seems totally fair. The normalcy of Doug is just really boring. Yeah. What other show have we watched with normal people? Well, I I have a thought, which is that to me, Doug feels like the grown-up, less imaginative version of the Rugrats. Oh, that's the one I was... Yep, yeah. That's the other normal one we watched. Yeah. And like... Rugrats is is very suburban. It's also very white. And, you know, the babies have this level of freedom that we're like, why is no one watching these babies? (laughs) Like, the same thing applies to Doug. But even with all of his quail man fantasies and everything else, there's something so much less interesting and compelling about that. Like, I would rather watch the Rugrats... 18 million more times than watch Doug. I think that's true. Yeah. I mean, the Rugrats, they go on adventures and they feel like real mm-hmm. adventures. Yeah. I mean, they may just be like trying to get the dog food down from the counter, but the way that the narrative is framed, it feels like this big epic thing. And mm-hmm. Doug does not achieve that. And I think part of it is that, so the Rugrats does something that Doug does not, which is it takes its focus from its main character every now and again. Like their episodes yes. that are dedicated to Chucky or their episodes that are starring Phil and Lil and not anybody else it like this show would probably feel so much more interesting if everything didn't always have to be filtered through Doug's lens like there's a moment in that episode where I said Doug's at the park and he and Patty have to solve a mystery because someone has stolen some kind of thing for a race it's like a sack race but for some reason it involves bumpers I, it was never fully made clear to me why but there you go <laughs> um But someone stole them and they did this whole rigmarole and it turns out Roger stole them and he stole them not just to steal them, but because this race is a parent-child race and his mom won't do it with him and his dad won't come down to visit in time to be able to run this race with him. So they essentially imply that Roger's parents are divorced and his dad isn't around, which gives you a ton more context for Roger's actions in a very, like, subtle, quiet way. But that's never truly explored. It's just a note in this episode. And then someone who is childless ends up wanting to run the race with him. And it's sort of like, oh, look, those two are friends now. Episode over. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I definitely think that's a big drawback for Doug Mm -hmm. is that they are so stuck in Doug's own perspective. Yeah. And Doug just does, as I mean, he's an 11 year old kid, so he just doesn't have the like perspective to really deal with any of the other characters' emotional stuff. Like, yeah, it's just like that episode where he witnesses it, Mm -hmm. but. It doesn't mean that much. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, they have moments. Like, they, I watched the final episode, which was about Doug and the internet, which... Ah! Wow. Wow. That's hilarious. But in it, they have moments where they do actually show Judy, and she's essentially being catfished by other boys in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> And that ends in a very safe suburban way where, like, the younger kid comes to her house and she's like, oh, no, this troll, no thanks, never mind, why did you do this? Like, (laughs) you know, so you have these moments of hers, but the episode centered largely around Doug trying to find records for a dance, which, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of, like, uh, you're just like, okay. Yeah, 
Also, I have to say that this entire episode was about how dumb the internet is. It was essentially everybody going in chat rooms and making shit up. Aww, that's so 1999. <laughs> yeah, about that. And the dad was getting caught up in emails and having too many messages to answer. But the parents were still like, oh, you shouldn't put personal information on the internet and don't let people come from the internet to your house. You don't know what you're doing. We need to monitor your intake. And I'm like, wow. What parents are told about the internet has not evolved in any way since (laughs) (laughs) If only we had known then what we know now, we would have just destroyed it at the beginning. Right? If they had just thrown in a little bit about cyberbullying, it would sound like somebody made it today. Like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I can't even handle it. So those are my those are my biggest qualms mm-hmm. with the show. I think, uh, yeah. So on the whole, I just never found Doug as a character very compelling, yeah. and nothing else makes me really like the show. Yeah, and like Doug's life is also not very compelling, like at all. <laughs> no, he's just this kid who likes this girl, and she doesn't know, and he's got a friend, and there's also a bully, and he seems like relatively popular despite the fact that he's a total nerd. Yes. I don't understand how he's popular when, like, he's a dork. And this is from somebody who was a dork, who is a dork, who knows her status in high school was very much like, everyone was friendly towards me, but I was most definitely a nerd. Never got shoved in a locker. Definitely got asked for help with essays. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, no, I mean, he wears a sweater vest. He's not cool. Which, what the fuck? A sweater vest (laughs) and shorts. And shorts. It's the worst. I hate that combo. It's the worst. And then you can't even say it's, like, just the style of the show, because, like, Patty's wearing this adorable little, like, shirt and skirt mm-hmm. thing, and Skeeter's got, like, a Flash t-shirt on. Yeah, and he's got, like, very wide-legged pants, which is weird. Yeah, I don't know what's up with the yeah. pants, but they're just pants otherwise, and as we already noted, Roger's wearing the leather jacket with the jeans and boots. Um, excuse me. He is wearing pointy-toed heeled boots with straps on them. And this is made apparent from episode one because Doug almost ruins those shoes. And that's when Ray saw it and was like, those look like the shoes that I wear literally all the time. Yeah. No, that's a totally fair point. Those are the boots that he is wearing. And like, internet, you don't know my partner, but let me tell you, my partner is very fashionable. (laughs) Like, their job is literally within the realm of style. So like... Yeah, if my wife looks at Roger's boots and is like, mm, I like them boots, then it's, it's a thing. <laughs> Make some comments on Roger. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know why Doug wears this one the best. I don't either. It's just a bad choice. There's one other thing that we have not talked about, and it's pork chop and Stinky. Oh, yeah, Roger's cat. So, Roger has a cat, and the cat's name is Stinky. And the cat wanders around with Roger like a dog. And Porkchop is in some weird cross between, like, Scooby-Doo and Snoopyville, like, where the dog is sentient and makes his own choices and decisions and helps Doug in his adventures in ways that is interesting. And Stinky does the same for Roger. Yes. Which I find is really interesting, and also, I'm just really against this negative propaganda against cats. Like, Uh, 
<laughs> was he an evil cat? Oh yeah, very evil. We could just chalk that up to the fact that Roger himself is an antagonist. This is true, but in the episode where Roger forces Doug to watch his cat, Doug thinks he has accidentally poisoned the cat because Stinky has apparently been getting really fat lately and has been hiding places and yowling and getting her extra hairballs. And of course it turns out that Stinky is actually a girl cat. And she has kittens. And once again, in I would love to see all these episodes from Roger's perspective, his mom comes with Roger to the vet to be like, oh, you didn't know Stinky was a girl? Ugh, we have to have a very long overdue conversation. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had the sex talk with your kid and now you're going to have to do it because his cat's pregnant. <laughs> You didn't even tell your kid one gender. Yeah. The also, the cat's bright fuchsia, which let's not, we don't have to be gendered with colors. But at first I was like, oh, that's cool. This cat is fuchsia. Its name is Stinky and it's mean. And then they were like, nope, it's a mom and a lady. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're just going to take a step back there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. You're right, though. Porkchop can do all sorts mm-hmm. of things and sometimes walks on two feet. Yeah, and, like, gets his, makes his own plate and stuff. Like, yes. it's very weird and can apparently either read and or completely understand human language. It does seem to be possibly both of those things. Unclear, but it does seem to be. Yeah. <laughs> and in the very first episode, they have him eating from the salad bar and Doug mentions that he's a vegetarian. And I was oh, like, yeah. um, No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not like Doug is controlling it. It's just, he says it's a phase that Porkchop is going through. <laughs> yeah, which, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any it sense. Doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. What's up with your dog? <laughs> so yeah, Porkchop is weird. I think they were kind of going for like a Snoopy mm-hmm. kind of vibe, but... But he kind of talks, but not quite. Yeah, he kind of just like barks, but he barks in a very communicative fashion. <laughs> like, he's like, oh, Porkchop, are you happy? <laughs> Porkchop, are you upset? <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Okay, yeah, so I completely understand what you just said there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's not quite the level of speech that Scooby-Doo achieves, but it's close. Yeah. A lot of things are happening in Doug, and none of them are as compelling as they should be. Like, at all. <laughs> That's really, it's failing. This this show doesn't even have hovercraft. No! <laughs> also, Quailman is a fucking bullshit hero. Wait, sorry, let me. Oh, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I didn't even get into Quailman. I couldn't handle it. Quailman is so basic. It's the worst. Okay, so, like, you have all of this imagination and all this time, and you can come up with any superhero you want because mm-hmm. it's yourself. It's your own alter ego. And you think... Quail Man is the way to go. Which is a superhero that wears his literal underpants on the outside, is wearing your clothes with a cue on top of it and a belt on top of his head. A belt on your head in the shape of a little, like, quail thing. Like, this is the kind of thing where I'm like, Doug, your imagination is not even that good. Jess, can I tell you about my first original character? Yes. (laughs) She was a mess. She was a fire elemental that had been abandoned by her family. And the person who raised her was an ancient (laughs) salamander demon. He was not evil, just like in the class of demon. And later on, she found out that it was that her parents were elementals of water and she, through a weird genetic magical defect, was fire. So no one could touch her. (laughs) That's amazing. She slept in fire and ashes, made living fire things to keep her safe, and could transform into a phoenix at will. Quailman can suck it. Like... (laughs) That's totally fair. It's legitimate. Right? 
Yes. My first OC was garbage, but it was not Quail Man. Uh, no, she is not garbage. You should definitely write a book series oh about her. Oh my god, no, gonna... I showed it. It's amazing. Yes, you should. Yes, you should. This is staying in so that I can show it to Julia and be like, please tell Kelly that she needs to explore this because it's obviously better than Quail Man, and Quail Man was on TV right? for years, so what do you got to lose? That's fair. <laughs> I mean, talk about the confidence of mediocre white man. Mm-hmm. My gosh. <laughs> this guy thought that Quail Man was worth putting on yeah. television. Yeah, and like he had another original <laughs> character that was essentially a James Bond ripoff, which I was also just like, excuse me? What? <laughs> he does that a lot. Like he has all sorts of imaginary versions of himself. Yeah, and like having imaginary versions of yourself makes sense for an 11 year old. I'm just like, that's as far as you're going? Yeah, you can do anything you want, and Quail Man is where you end up. Wow, you deserve a life in the suburbs, my friend. <laughs> like, just... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, so Quail Man, bullshit. Mm-mm. Bad hero, bad idea. Definitely. Those are all my complaints, so we can move on to what's been done. Oh, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I got it all out there. Yeah. Everybody now knows how I feel about the show. I'm glad. Okay, so what's been done is not very much. So the series still runs on reruns uh, on Team Nick, and Disney ran a musical stage show in 1999 until 2002. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, right? I was like, I don't even know what that would be like. I have no idea what that would be like. Probably awful, but okay. Uh, yeah, they released a Game Boy game. So, good for them. Go Disney. Disney knows how to make a franchise. God, they do. (laughs) (laughs) And Doug's first movie, which is the name of it, was released in 1999. It's about Doug and Skeeter discovering a monster in Lucky Duck Lake, which was created by Bluff Industries Pollution. Oh, okay. I don't think it did very well. I think one of the reviews was basically like, this show doesn't have enough compelling epicness to warrant being on the big screen. (laughs) I was like, oh, damn. Good to know we all agree. Yeah, yeah, we're not alone. <laughs> so, that's kind of it. So, except for still being run on reruns, there's not really anything new, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with, personally. Same. Like, it's not really a show that I think anybody needs to do anything with. No. There's nothing I want to see from this. Yeah. Like, at all. Maybe, maybe a Patty Manning show. See, that would, now, if you, okay, if you fucking Twilighted it, like how they tried to do all the books again from Edward's perspective. (laughs) There you go. I would watch a show about Patty. Yeah. And this weird boy that essentially is just, like, chasing her around and her being like, look, I'm trying to solve a fucking mystery. That would be interesting. Yeah, I I mean, Patty's a pretty cool kid. I wouldn't mind that. Yeah, that would, that would be kind of worthwhile. All right. How would you rate it? Oh, right. Uh, I, like, uh, zero. I never want to see it again. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Doug. I was going to say I will give it two sad mouse trombones out of two. (laughs) And then they're bad. Like, literally, (laughs) 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 this show is produced by us, Kelly and Jess, as part of the Adjective Sphinx Network. The music we use is sung by Kelly and can only be found here. You can find links for more info in the show notes. Find us and our sibling shows on Twitter at AdjectiveSphinx or email us at AdjectiveSphinx at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate it on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks for listening!